Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And in all honesty, I hadn't intended to change this channel into the Dr. Disrespect channel on and off for the past month. But as it so happens, this is one of the bigger stories in video games this summer, especially because of the amount of money on the line. And as I woke up this morning, I was informed from a number of places and a number of folks getting into my DMs and talking to me on social media that Dr. Disrespect is apparently, quote unquote, speaking again. Now, if you clicked on this video, you already know from the thumbnail that I entitled it The Art of Saying Nothing. But while Dr. Disrespect and his team says nothing, insofar as what they do say, I think we can actually take some things, we can solidify some of our opinions as to what we talked about in previous Dr. Disrespect videos on this channel, and we can begin to understand exactly what their PR and legal response is likely to be based on what they are saying and what they are not saying. So with that as our background, let's dive into this article. We actually have a second interview, which is going to help illuminate some of the things that we're going to talk about with respect to this first one. But the Washington Post, very large outlet, I think this is through their launcher kind of video games focused blog. So not the Washington Post full, but still very important, has a lot of viewership, has a lot of readers, uh, winds up editorializing quite a bit. Uh, in this article, and that's one of the things that we have commented on in the past. We called out Forbes a little bit for doing this with respect to one of their articles in a previous video on this site, because we really don't know anything. And if you take anything away from what Dr. Disrespect said to the Washington Post and what he said to PC Gamer, which we will also look at, it's that they are holding fast to the fact that Twitch has not told them why he was banned. And when you get into the world of contract law, when you have this much money on the line based on an exclusivity arrangement and money that was supposed to be paid from Twitch to Dr. Disrespect, you, of course, have to take these legal and public relations steps to try to control the narrative. So let's take a look at how the Washington Post describes this particular situation. A month ago, the idea of Dr. Disrespect breaking his silence would have been laughable. The doc persona invented by 38-year-old streamer Guy Bean isn't beloved by fans for his restraint or tastefulness. Doc is brash. He's an over-the-top showman. But recent news has quieted both Bean and his online character, and the silence has been filled by speculation and uncertainty surrounding their future. I love the there there, as if Beam and Dr. Disrespect are different folks. But a couple of things to note here when we talk about how this happened and what we are looking at. Doc is brash. He's an over-the-top showman. He would like to talk to people. The kind of personality that winds up being very successful in this space, whether it's on YouTube or Twitch or Mixer before it blew up or anywhere else, is the kind of person that is very comfortable talking to audiences. That's what connects with an audience. And so it's no surprise that Guy Beam or Dr. Disrespect or whatever you want to call him is an over-the-top showman. That's how he realized his success. And it is surprising when he doesn't have communications with his community, when he goes silent for this long period of time. And that's one of the reasons why in the initial video that we did, we commented on the fact that Dr. Disrespect is not a standard streamer. He's represented by CAA. He has public relations people. He has highly expensive legal counsel. And the kind of thing that highly expensive legal counsel and public relations people will tell you to do in the face of any kind of controversy is hit the ground, duck your head, and be silent 
until we can figure out what message we want to even put out there. And certainly when you see these kinds of interviews come out today, and I don't think that Washington Post and PC Gamer is probably where this ends. It sounds like they did a round of half-hour interviews with a number of outlets, so it wouldn't surprise me if you see other outlets come out with their interviews later today, but it would surprise me if there was a lot of additional information because he seemed very clearly focused on specific talking points that were likely agreed to between him and his public relations team, and more importantly, his legal counsel before he even started this. But when we talk about how this happened, what is happening with respect to these comments, it's important to note that this is a highly controlled environment. This is not how, as an individual, you would probably go about this, but he's getting good advice and certainly maintaining the message is important when you're talking about millions and millions of dollars, as we will see, he is. On June 26th, Beam was removed without warning from Twitch, and soon after, his paid subscribers received notifications that they would be refunded. We talked about that as well. Beam had an audience of more than 4 million followers on the live streaming platform, and in March, he signed an eight-figure contract to stream exclusively on the Amazon-owned platform. Now, this number has been widely kind of reported and speculated upon. We see this eight-figure number appear a couple of places in this interview, I think again in the PC Gamer article. So eight figures, obviously, is tens of millions of dollars, probably somewhere between 10 and $20 million, based on what we know from the Ninja contracts and things along those lines. But when you have that amount of money in play, you listen to your lawyers and your public relations people when you think you have a potential dispute against the party that should still owe you a significant amount of money. Twitch has not provided a reason for the separation, making the circumstances and rationale behind the move the subject of much conjecture. On a call with the Washington Post in his first interview since Twitch cast him aside, Beam was somber and measured in his responses. Now, the Washington Post, unlike PC Gamer, does a lot of this editorializing, does a lot of framing how Guy Beam sounds, that he's somber, he's measured in his responses. They will later describe him as stuttering. That suggests to me that this isn't a great idea, right? Your public relations people know that the Washington Post is going to do this kind of thing, that the various interview outlets are going to do this kind of thing. And if you aren't going to share substantive information with the public, then there isn't a lot to be gained from this. So why does this happen? Well, public relations firms can make mistakes, certainly. And maybe they didn't anticipate that the Washington Post or wherever else they gave interviews would be quite so editorializing in their article about this particular interview. Or in my opinion, more likely, you've got a brash showman that likes to communicate and has been on a leash for weeks now. And so has been arguing with his team to say, hey, I want to get out there and say something because they're raking me over the coals. You've got Rod Slasher, whoever, out there saying that there's potential significant criminal action about me. You've got Forbes saying, well, maybe it's an FBI subpoena. And that's not good for me. I don't like sitting here in silence. And the lawyers and the public relations people say, you can't really help yourself by going out there and talking. And he says, I have to say something. And you get to this situation where public relations says, okay, we need to do an interview so that our client is happy. The client wants to get out there with some message. We're going to vet it. We're going to establish talking points. And you are going to say nothing about the reasons for your ban because Twitch hasn't given you those reasons. And we will see that again and again and again in this interview. Pressed on questions regarding his removal from Twitch or his next steps, 
he frequently followed advice from his legal counsel to remain silent. Now, as we will see from the PC Gamer description of events, it doesn't sound like he's actually on the call with legal counsel. That could be different for the Washington Post interview, of course. He's actually on a call for PC Gamer with his publicist. Uh, and so whether or not he followed advice from his legal counsel, he undoubtedly did, I think is a little bit of extrapolation from Washington Post with these paraphrases. And whenever you read a personal interview and you get these kind of non-quoted editorialized statements, you kind of have to take them with a little bit of grain of salt because they are going through the prism of whatever the author thinks happened during that interview. Now in green here, I've highlighted when Dr. Disrespect is speaking directly. I've been dealing with a lot of stress and anxiety. You know, my wife and I both, this is our livelihood. We worked really hard to get to this point. Let's just say I've felt all of the emotions that you could possibly feel. Totally fine. Totally understandable. You just lost a potentially 10, $15 million out of your pocket. And you're telling us that the people that owed you that money aren't telling you why they're saying they're not going to pay you anymore. That's entirely re reasonable. And that's exactly the kind of thing that press and public relations would tell you to say. Beam maintains he still doesn't know why Twitch effectively voided his contract. Again, we have to talk about the journalism here just a little bit. Maintains is the kind of word that suggests as the journalist, you don't fully believe him. And maybe you don't, but it's an interesting thing to put directly in the article. Beam maintains he still doesn't know why Twitch effectively voided his contract, but I have my doubts. And whether or not you do have your doubts, we've talked about in our videos in this space that Beam probably knows of a couple of reasons why Twitch could have been angry at him. But much like you see in spy movies or during some kind of dramatic interrogation on a television show, you don't ever answer the question of, you know what you did wrong. Why don't you just admit it? You don't answer that question. We're all human beings. We're all fallible. There's any number of things that somebody could know about you that might be a problem for your contract or your morality clause or anything else. That's not the kind of thing that your lawyer or your PR firm would tell you to answer. So you don't advance that speculation on your own. And he's getting good advice on these kinds of things. He's pressed by the Washington Post. He's pressed by the PC Gamer folks to say, what do you think Twitch did? Why do you think they did this? And he's like, I'm not going to guess at that. Because, yeah, I probably have a few skeletons in my closet that even though I might disagree that those rise to the level of breach, we don't want to load the ammunition forum, PC Gamer and Washington Post. And this is the kind of communication you see when somebody is well represented. As he answers, honestly, we just don't know. It was a total shock. Imagine showing up to work and the doors are closed and you can't get inside. You're going, what's going on? And you've been told you've been fired, but you haven't been told the reason why. We just weren't given an answer. It was the worst feeling. And that's a good metaphor. People can understand it. People can relate to it. Keep that metaphor in mind when we swing back over to PC Gamer because you'll be able to see the talking points kind of jump out at you. But that doesn't mean they're wrong. It just means they're vetted closely by a whole lot of people. Because when tens of millions of dollars are on the line, you can afford for a, a lot of highly priced representatives to advise you. Beam said he learned the news while watching a friend's stream on Twitch. He noticed that some of the features normally available to him as a creator were not present and sent an email to Twitch. In their reply, the company informed him of their action, but did not provide a reason. Now, the parenthetical here is amusing. And if you already follow the Washington Post or you just know corporate structures in general is not a surprise, but it is interesting for this particular story. Twitch is owned by Amazon, whose CEO, Jeff Bezos, owns the Washington Post. That's right. They're sibling companies. 
They have the same ownership at its highest level. And so it's an interesting decision to give this interview to the Washington Post, or at least launcher a Washington Post kind of subsidiary enterprise, because you have burned or Twitch has burned for you those bridges with that platform to go to another entity owned by the same people is interesting. Twitch released a statement that read, as is our process, we take appropriate action when we have evidence that a streamer has acted in violation of our community guidelines or terms of service. These apply to all streamers, regardless of status or prominence in the community. And this shouldn't be green because this is Twitch talking, but it is again what we talked about in our very first video, which is to suggest that a lot of people said, oh, maybe he violated his exclusivity. Maybe he's signing up with something like Brime or moving over to YouTube or Facebook or something like that. And that's the kind of thing where you would expect Twitch to point that out in a statement like this. If Twitch thought that Guy Beam, Dr. Disrespect, was moving over to another platform and going to violate his exclusivity arrangement, it is the kind of thing you would communicate out there because it's a silver bullet if you're Twitch. You avoid all this potentially negative press. Why aren't they talking to anybody on any of this? And you have something that people can understand. Hey, look, we were going to pay him $15 million to be exclusive to us. If he starts shopping around, he doesn't deserve that money. That's very easy to sell as Twitch. And even as a big, big, big corporation, it's something that a lot of people are going to side with you on because we like fairness. Hey, if he's getting that money to be exclusive and he's not going to be exclusive, he doesn't deserve that money. By only going out with this kind of statement, you get rid of all that. Twitch can't make that claim, at least not in the court of public opinion as of right now. And so we are left to kind of figuring out what possible guideline he could have violated, what kind of terms of service he could have violated. And more importantly, with all this money on the line, by not giving additional information to Dr. Disrespect, you create this kind of legal morass. And yeah, everybody's quiet because Twitch just said, we're not paying you tens of millions of dollars and they didn't say why. And I say that with some amount of definitiveness because one thing that you see in these interviews is that statement repeated again and again and again. And it's clearly been vetted by legal counsel, which we will see more specifically in the PC Gamer interview. And because of that, because it would be an easily refuted lie if it were in fact a lie, I think it deserves to be treated with a certain amount of veracity right now to say that you would not be told why your contract was terminated makes a lot of sense for being upset, makes a lot of sense for having your lawyers tell you we're going to fight this thing because Twitch can't just declare a contract over. That exclusivity arrangement would have been negotiated to within an inch of its life and it would have had ways for them to get out of it, ways for Dr. Disrespect to get out of it, and all of them would have involved some kind of breach some kind of failure in either the covenants or following, yes, the terms of service or the community guidelines in certain respects. And Twitch has to give more information or they're going to get sued for millions and millions of dollars. Asked for more detail on the day of the decision, a Twitch spokesperson said they were not privy to any additional info at the moment. Twitch hasn't spoken on it since. Twitch has declined multiple additional requests from the post to answer any follow-up questions. Now, one thing that came up in doing these videos is that a lot of people said, hey, if it was nothing at Twitch, and I have never said it's nothing. I have said that Twitch believes they can get out of this contract for some reason, that their lawyers think that they've got some kind of reason that they can void this multi-million dollar expense. Is it a good reason? Not necessarily, but it is some kind of reason. And maybe it is a significant event. We don't know. We don't have enough to speculate on, so we don't do that here in virtual legality. 
and we chastise those journalistic outlets that do engage in that speculation. But one thing that came up was that a number of people said, if it was nothing, why did Discord ban him? And I think this paragraph is very illuminating to that. Discord, a video game focused chat platform, said they had also removed Beam from their partner program on June 26th, shortly after the Twitch news broke. Discord's program did not require Beam's active participation. It simply verified his presence on the platform and bestowed certain otherwise paid features to his account. Beam and his representative told the Post that they were unaware of the partnership, that Discord effectively did this on their own. Through a spokesperson, Discord told the Post that partners are held to a higher standard than typical users and issued a statement similar to that of Twitch. Discord partners must abide by our code of conduct, and when violations occur, we take the appropriate action. The company declined to comment on their rationale for ending the partnership. There doesn't appear to be anything more with respect to what happened at Discord than whatever happened at Twitch. That he was effectively a Discord program partner because he was a personality on Twitch and that Discord essentially followed along with whatever happened at Twitch. Now that could be different. That could be something else, some other bit of information that Discord received, but we have nothing to base that on based solely on these paragraphs. And so again, I would caution anybody to speculate on these things. In the days since, Beam said he has spent time with his family, taking a short vacation to the beach while he considers his legal options. He declined to address any potential pending legal action, citing the advice of his lawyers. Twitch's silence on Beam's removal has left a void of information that has been filled with speculation. Now, the Post is, of course, right on this. The Dr. Disrespect videos that I have seen have very often been filled with speculative innuendo and, oh my God, could he have committed this crime, committed this felony? What could be going on? Oh, I heard he did something over here with a different streamer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We're not going to do that in this space, but we note that the Washington Post does almost immediately after saying, hey, there's a lot of speculation. Let's talk about David Icke. Let's talk about the fact that Beam and Twitch have also been coming to a reckoning around misconduct. Over the past several weeks, dozens of women and men have tweeted out allegations of sexual abuse and harassment by prominent members of the gaming community. Very true. They have, in fact, done that. Why are you mentioning it in this article? Oh, no reason. To date, no allegations have been made publicly against Beam. Okay. That's a couple of paragraphs of interesting speculation, Washington Post, when you are otherwise chastising people for spreading speculation. Speaking with the Post, Beam declined to address any specific theories, reiterating that Twitch has not communicated the rationale for the removal to either him or his team. It just goes back to just me not being interested in engaging crazy speculation. You know I have a great community and loyal fans. The last few minutes of Beam's final stream have also fueled theories around his removal from Twitch. A lot of people have come to my comments and talked about that with me. In videos of that final stream, he looks despondent, he swears, he does all these kinds of things but he flatly denied any connection between that stream and his subsequent removal. He told the Post his comments centered on the current state of the world, including the coronavirus and the protests happening across the country. Now, this is the kind of thing that strains credibility a little bit, right? If you go and you look at those particular minutes of his last stream, it certainly seems that something important, some bit of news came to his attention. And what I've said in prior videos is that it strikes me is that he was getting news that he was being cut off from Twitch. Not necessarily that he was getting the reason for that. I don't have any reason to believe that he would lie about that, especially having it vetted by counsel at this point in time. Twitch has clearly not told him why they have banned him, and that is a point of contention, as you would expect it to be. 
if you had signed up to a multi-million dollar contract and then they said they're not going to pay you and they didn't tell you why, it would be a point of contention for you as well. But this particular claim is incredulous, right? We look at it and we say something happened. And he says, well, there's all this stuff happening. There's protests, there's coronavirus. And that does strike me as the kind of thing that public relations would come up with, right? It certainly makes sense. We all feel that every day in 2020. Oh my gosh, the the next thing has happened. The next person has died. The next ridiculous political statement has come out, whether it's from a governor or a president or a prime minister or whatever, and you're not happy with the state of the world here in 2020. And so public relations person says, hey, you know, nobody's going to be able to disprove that. It's going to be a statement that we can go with. It's not a lie necessarily. You were undoubtedly despondent about 2020. So let's go with this as the main reason. Maybe he's telling the truth here. This is the kind of thing where I say, yeah, this feels like a lot of massaging from public relations. As he says, I kind of stepped out of my doctor character, which I do from time to time, just having more of a personal moment with my audience in my community. And that was one particular moment. That's pretty much what that was. And then they give a more... (laughs) descriptions about Beam and Dr. Disrespect. They refer to his trash talk and tendency to find drama as bringing him both notoriety and also leading him into trouble. They describe his career as including multiple controversies. They refer to his E3 ban being banned from that convention, a two-month break for cheating on his wife, a scandal about a mock Chinese accent. None of the things that have to do with this story. And again, this is the kind of thing when you're thinking about this and you're thinking, oh, Well, this is public relations trying to get out in front of it. A good public relations firm probably doesn't lean into an interview like this. Dr. Disrespect isn't saying much. He isn't saying much of anything, which means it's not really helping him. So when all of you come into my comments and say, well, why doesn't he just say that Twitch didn't tell him anything? Or this is completely ridiculous and I'm going to potentially seek legal action. And he says most of those things here, but not in any way that we can kind of grapple with, that we can grab onto and know something new from before these interviews took place. And I say, because anything that you say can be used against you, it's not just the words that you say, it's giving the Washington Post or other journalistic outlets a platform with which to just put paragraphs up about you like this, that no matter what you would have said in your interview, this paragraph was going to be a part of the article. The paragraph about your controversies and notorieties and everything else. The random paragraph about Twitch having to deal with sexual harassment allegations. And though there's nothing on that about you, we're just going to put this here and put your name really close to that paragraph and just let people read it. That that was always going to happen. So public relations firms always say, hey, we got to be cautious about going out there with something because you don't control the narrative. And the Washington Post does. And PC Gamer, in my opinion, did a better job with this because they just basically transcribed the interview and let us read what it is that that Dr. Disrespect Guy Beam had to say. But the Washington Post is the bigger outlet, and they go out with something like this, and you say, well, he didn't improve his lot through no fault of his own. And it strikes me that the public relations firm and legal counsel would have understood that before this was ever done. As he continues, I've been very transparent with those around me and my community. If anybody knows the doctor and who I am, you know, I've stepped up and taken full responsibility each and every time, and I've learned from those mistakes, presumably in response to the Washington Post asking some kind of question about prior controversies. 
Uh, again, we get that verification of the totaled eight figures deal with Twitch, which Washington Post argues here was according to one person familiar with the contract who requested anonymity because he was not authorized to discuss it with the media. Super interesting, by the way, to have a sibling company go and get anonymized sources from another company owned by its owner and then have to keep that anonymity. It's a very strange relationship between Jeff Bezos and his various entities. They also say there's no indication that he's lost the rights to a TV show he's doing with Skybound Entertainment. Beam said in the interview that plans for the TV show have not been affected by recent events. It's the kind of thing where you say, if there's an FBI subpoena, there's a criminal action, this kind of stuff gets around. Twitch probably would tell Skybound these kinds of things would happen. But again, we have all these kinds of signals and all this kind of smoke, and it's very difficult for us to determine exactly what the truth is, and neither Dr. Disrespect or Twitch has given us much help here. Listen, we're going to see. We've been working really hard. We're ready to go. You know we're excited to take those next steps. Over the course of a half-hour interview, Beam searched for words and issued several stuttering responses to questions, including about his final stream, a marked contrast to his WWE-like character. Asked how it felt to be so restrained in the wake of his removal, Beam said his response was carefully coordinated by his team. Again, note, we don't actually get the quote there. Beam said his response was carefully coordinated by his team. The next quote is, I'm trying to take all the right steps with how this is handled. Is that the quote the Washington Post is referring to? Again, we talk a lot about public relations. We talk a lot about corporate communications. We talk a lot about journalism here in virtual legality. This is the kind of thing that people should be critically reading and examining. You've got this paraphrased quote. Response was carefully coordinated by his team. We don't actually have the language for in this article, so we have to kind of imagine what it was that was said that led to the journalist making that supposition. These recent developments came at a point when Beam and his wife felt they were just in such a good spot in life and their relationship, family, and work. All the right points were lining up, all the pieces of this big puzzle of the Doc universe, and everything was just good. Everything was just getting lined up to push the Doctor character outside of the realm of just streaming and more into this universe, you know, sort of encompassing mainstream media. That Dr. Disrespect Guy Beam has been working to kind of explode out of the Twitches and the streamers and the influencers of the world, signing TV contracts, having all of this. And that was taken away in a flash uh, by the snap of the finger. And yeah, CAA is going to get involved. Yeah, public relations is going to get involved. Yeah, legal is going to get involved. And Twitch knew that when they pushed the button. They knew that especially when they didn't tell him why he was being banned. And when you don't tell somebody why they're being banned, it suggests to me that you think you might have a good reason. You don't hit that button if you don't, but you're not entirely sure that it's an absolutely ironclad reason. And so you're going to run this thing out and you're going to try to settle for less money than you would have otherwise paid under the contract proper. Beam and his team are considering possible next steps. They mentioned the fact that Ninja has been experimenting with streaming on YouTube, though with no exclusive commitment which was not something that I knew in advance. And I think that's an interesting point of reference that YouTube has apparently not signed Ninja to an exclusivity contract. One of the things we talked about in our earlier videos was that the death of Mixer suggested that exclusivity contracts for all of these streamers weren't actually paying out a good return on investment. That it wouldn't surprise me if we never see contracts of that ilk again. You might see certain amounts of exclusivity based on you know actual money coming into the companies, but not these flat fee arrangements where Ninja and Shroud and Dr. Disrespect make these huge amounts of money. And with the death of Mixer, it is undoubtedly the fact that the value of the Dr. Disrespect contract to Twitch immediately took a dive. 
and Twitch could be using whatever reason that it is using to say, I just want to get out of the contract because we shouldn't be spending this money on something that isn't netting us a good return. We worked really hard to get to this point, and all of a sudden, it's just like everything kind of halted. But you know I'm surrounded by a good team, and we're putting together a nice little game plan. I'm really excited to take things to the next level. Now, we highlighted everything that was actually a direct quote that went into this article. I'm going to link it in the description. There's a lot we skipped over, especially the editorializing from the post. But you can see that this was an interview vetted by public relations, vetted by legal counsel, and says almost nothing. So what was the point? I think the point was limited, and I think this is the kind of thing you see when you've got a client that really wants to go out there with something, and you have to accommodate them in some respect. Now, I've mentioned the PC Gamer interview in a couple of places. We're not going to read it in its entirety. This is a transcription of the interview itself, but there are little nuggets here that help explain what it is that we are seeing this morning. PC Gamer describes it as, Earlier this week, Beam's publicist contacted PC Gamer to offer an interview with Beam. From the outset, it was clear we'd likely get little information on what actually happened, but it was an opportunity to ask Beam on the record about the many rumors surrounding his ban and what the performer is planning next. So understand what PC Gamer is saying here is that they were contacted by Beam's public relations agency and effectively told either in that email or follow-up that we weren't going to be answering questions on what the nature of the ban was for. And presumably by saying that we haven't been told that and we're not going to do the guessing for them. In the contract world, we call that negotiating against yourself. Whenever you have a term that the other side doesn't say is wrong necessarily, but they say maybe, oh, we're a little bit uncomfortable with that. Maybe you should see if you can address that. Maybe you can tell us why you think you might be in breach of contract. No, no, no. You don't negotiate against yourself. And if the other side that is holding millions of dollars hostage doesn't deign to tell you why you've breached your contract, you don't start offering them reasons why it might be a breach. You just don't. But this is the setup. This is the setup that PC Gamer is telling us that happened. So it is a public relations organized set of interviews, but I have a lot of doubt that it was a public relations initiated set of interviews. I really do feel like this is the kind of thing you can expect from streamers and influencers that want to get out there and tell some part of their story. Uh, PC Gamer, it's been almost three weeks since you were banned from Twitch. I imagine that it's been very frustrating. I would love to start with just hearing what's been happening behind the scenes with you. Sure, I mean, well, a lot of stuff, obviously. You know, while it's unfortunate that I'm off Twitch, we are definitely working behind the scenes on what a doctor return might look like. And he says he's not interested in exclusive deals, presumably because nobody is going to be offering these things at a high level of money, is my guess. I'm more focused on just making sure whatever we do next, whether it's a platform move or not, that it's the right decision for the community. He later says in a follow-up email that he clarified he's even considering streaming independently on his own website, in addition to other big options like YouTube and Facebook. And undoubtedly, as we move further and further into the future, when you're talking about tens of millions of dollars, putting yourself beholden to the somewhat mercurial tendencies of terms of service enforcement at Twitch and YouTube and Facebook or wherever is something that should probably be avoided when you have this much money on the line. When you can afford to place the advertising yourself, when you can afford to actually create a big website for yourself, it's probably the type of thing that you should be considering doing anyway. Because yeah, Twitch 
doesn't have a due process obligation. They can ban people for terms of service and community guidelines violations on a whim. And this specific moderator might completely differ from this specific moderator. Or as we see on YouTube, almost every other video on this channel, Virtual Legality, where we talk about business and law, is flagged as not advertiser compliant, not following the advertising guidelines. And yes, that gets rescinded when a manual review looks at it and says it's a lawyer talking about arbitration clauses. There's nothing, there's nothing problematic here. But the robots initially say, hey, you can't monetize this. You probably shouldn't publish it. And so all of these decisions at all of these services are the kind of thing that you probably shouldn't be building a millions and millions and millions of dollar foundation upon because you don't control the platform. So it's no surprise that when something like this happens, you start to say, maybe we should just run it through our own website. And then we see the explanation for what happened. Imagine just going to work one day and the door is closed and you can't get inside and you've been told that you were fired and you weren't given a reason why, you know? And for me, it was just an initial shock. Now, if you remember from the Washington Post interview, that's exactly the same metaphor that he gave there. And it's not that it isn't his metaphor. That's not really how public relations work. You work to massage what your talking points are going to be, and you stick to them. So he gave the same information to PC Gamer as he gave to the Washington Post. But it does very clearly imply that there are talking points, that he's worked through it with highly paid public relations professionals, and this was all intended to do something good, which I would argue definitely didn't happen with respect to the Washington Post. So that's kind of why I had, I wouldn't have known what to say. You know, we put out the one tweet, our statement, and that's kind of where things are at. Because PC Gamer is trying to elicit, hey, why didn't you respond more strongly? Why didn't you do something more specifically? And Twitch has just cut off contact with you? They've never provided you a reason for the ban? Yeah, that seems crazy to me. To ban one of its most famous popular streamers and then to not even tell them what they did wrong? Yeah, that's the kind of mind-blowing thing about all of this. Obviously, for legal counsel, I have to be careful here. But I can say, however, that I will not be returning to Twitch. So, I mean, that's it. So, that's one piece of information. If you thought there was any chance at all that a company that would try to effectively steal millions and millions of dollars from this person, if they don't have a good reason for the breach, that he would be returning to that platform, that has been dispensed with. He will not be returning to Twitch, and that makes a lot of sense. Sure, says PC Gamer. I'm not a famous streamer, but if I was a famous streamer and I got banned for no reason, especially considering the Dr. Disrespect character and who he is, I think my response would be to get out on social media and shout from the rooftops and be like, hey, this is really unfair. I'm curious why you haven't done that. Now, if this isn't your first rodeo in virtual legality, you know exactly why he hasn't done that, or even if you've been paying attention to the rest of this video, because there is nothing to be gained by offering bullets to your enemy in a contract negotiation. Oh, well, I mean, I'm trying to take the best and appropriate steps as possible. And there are things behind the scenes in terms from a legal standpoint that you know I can't. That's where it's at. There are things behind the scenes in terms from a legal standpoint. That is what we have talked about through this entire video series. This level of silence, especially from a streamer, especially from an influencer, is indicative of legal conversations. And yes, threatening of legal action because you don't just claim a breach and don't tell the other side why you are claiming that breach. And so I don't wanna go on social media and say the wrong thing or the right thing. This is a person getting good advice and more importantly, paying attention to it. Mostly. I still don't think these interviews were a good idea, but reasonable minds can differ on that score. 
So are you able to confirm that legal action is taking place? You are taking legal action against Twitch. We are considering taking legal action. Absolutely you are. There's really no question about that. If you don't get a reason and there's that much money on the line, you are considering taking legal action and you probably already sent a letter that said, you give me my money or you give me a reason. And you did that with your high-priced law firm and your high-priced law firm is paid well to go and be threatening, to rattle the saber and say, you give us a reason or you give us our money. And that's considering taking legal action. Could wind up messy, could wind up in a court battle. I strongly suspect it winds up in a settlement like almost all legal actions do. They have a lot more from the interview, mostly mirrors what's in the Washington Post article. But then you get into this more speculation. They talk about 5G networks. They talk about conspiracy theories. They say, so you don't think that might be the cause? And he says, I don't think so. In fact, I, and the publicist steps in. We're getting really close to dangerous territory here. So you know, Doc, we don't know why Twitch banned him. And there is no formal warnings or reprimand on record. That's all legal is going to let him say. So he starts to answer this. In fact, I going so far as to talk about controversies and and various conspiracy theories, suggesting that he thinks it might be something else uh, or he might have some supposition of his own. And the publicist and legal rightly says, no, 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 no. We are not guessing at this because when you guess at it and it sounds like something Twitch might like, they say, yeah, you know what? That is why we banned you. Good, good call. That is definitely why we banned you. And you don't arm your opponent that way. As he continues, listen, I'm not interested in engaging in crazy speculation. I was in a moment where I was just sort of talking about what's going on in the world, talking about that final video, and all the cards are on the table. He's willing to do anything, but he's not really looking at exclusives. You get the same kind of comments here. And then PC Gamer tries one more time. One facet of this story is that, and I am sure you're aware of this, there are people coming forward and saying they know the reason you are banned. For example, Rod Slasher Breslau was on a stream just yesterday saying he knows why you were banned, but he doesn't want to say because he fears it could make him the target of a defamation lawsuit. By the way, you say that when you're not sure it's true. So when you suggest that you know why someone was banned, defamation is about lying about people. Truth is a defense to a defamation claim. So it means that you're not really sure what you know if you're Rod Breslau. And I know he's come up a number of times in these videos, but these stances that he is taking that, oh, it's very important and it's very serious. Yeah, absolutely. He's lost tens of millions of dollars over it. So somebody is claiming something serious or, oh, I absolutely know, but I'm not going to say because I fear a defamation claim. Then you don't absolutely know. You don't. What do you make of that? Listen again, I'm not interested in engaging in any of that stuff or that crazy speculation. Yes, good advice. So have you tried to contact him? If someone had dirt on me, I would at least want to know what they thought they knew. Have you tried to contact him? No. The PC Gamer journalist here, and I don't blame them necessarily, is not represented by counsel. And no, you don't contact the person that has potentially threatening, extortative information about you. You don't give them that entry point. Maybe your counsel does, but you certainly don't personally. So these questions are at least a little bit myopic uh, in terms of these kinds of things. But you can see just from this interview, and I will of course link this in the description, that this was a carefully vetted set of answers that Dr. Disrespect and his team have gone through, that you actually have a publicist on the line stepping in just like at a major motion picture interview to say, no, we can't talk about those kinds of things. 
because we are not going to give up any bit of our potential leverage to try to get you every cent of what we think is owed to you under your contract. And the best chance of us doing that is to not speculate as to why they might have done what they did. Because if we do, and something sounds like something that they might like to use, then you will be seeing that in the email that comes 24 hours after the interview where you give them the bullet that they needed. So we don't do that. So I called this the art of saying nothing. He did a pretty good job. And certainly the public relations team did a pretty good job of setting up the talking points. But at the end of the day, it still doesn't strike me as a very good idea. Somebody put out there on my tweets that they smelled PR and not the whole truth. Well, there's never going to be the whole truth in an interview setting like this with representatives kind of covering your butt and making sure you don't say something that could harm you. But Legacy Killer HD, Michael here, who is the first that informed me about this article. I want to give a hat tip there because I always like it when people tell me about these things. That's what I got from this interview. Things don't add up. Sounds like a PR team told him to do this interview in which I don't know. It just seems like Doc and Twitch both don't want to say what's really happening. Could be a messy court battle coming. Could be, but I think it's more likely a settlement. And I actually responded the opposite. I said, hey, I'd bet the opposite. There's almost nothing to be gained with so little information out there and quite a lot of editorializing from the post. As a personality, he was likely begging to be allowed to say something and his team reluctantly allowed this. And that comes from personal experience. You know, lawyers are representatives of their clients. If you don't have a lawyer, you've never hired a lawyer, the client is king. And that means whether you're in a litigation or a contract setting or anything else, what they say goes. You can only advise them on what to do. And so if you are a public relations firm, if you are a legal counsel for Dr. Disrespect or someone else that is very boisterous, likes to get out there in the community, likes to tell their story, one of the things you will see is I don't recommend talking right now. I recommend silence. And your client nevertheless goes out there and gives a radio interview, goes out there and takes control of things for him or herself. This has happened to me personally. And you don't have that control. Now, if they completely break your advice, you can fire them. You can say, you know, this isn't a good relationship. But you can also try to massage it. You can say, okay, you want to go out there with something. We still don't advise it. But if you are dead set on this course of action, we will help you get through it. Your PR team will help you say what you can say in this particular context. And while we think things like the Washington Post editorial can happen as part of the article covering your interview, we understand that you want to get out there and say something. And I truthfully believe that's what happened here because I don't see the answers given to the public in these interviews as particularly useful to Dr. Disrespect. I think you risked a lot. I think you mostly survived it. The Washington Post stuff doesn't matter that much, but you didn't gain anything and you could have lost quite a bit. I also want to give one more hat tip to uh, Elena Femfox at Femfox on Twitter. She actually informed me of the PC Gamer article, which created both of the articles that we were able to clearly see the talking points in by comparing both the Washington Post and the PC Gamer. So I want to say I really do appreciate everybody that comments and contacts me for these kinds of things. I'm very appreciative of the folks that want to hear my opinion on how this continues to advance, even if we wind up covering Dr. Disrespect a little bit more than I thought we would have. I still think it is a very interesting entry point for talking about corporate communications, how a relationship looks like, what it looks like when you have this much money on the line, what it looks like to be advised by legal counsel, expensive legal counsel, to be advised by expensive public relations firms. And it looks like this. That doesn't mean that I think that all of their advice is probably being followed to the letter here, but it does mean that he is being guided 
by well-intentioned hands that are going to try to get as much money as possible out of Twitch and Jeff Bezos. This has been Virtual Legality for today. If you enjoyed this video, we are apparently talking about Dr. Disrespect all the time. Uh, we've covered him in a couple of videos now over the past couple of weeks. It's a very big story in video games. But otherwise, we're talking in general about business and law, certainly from the perspective of a corporate lawyer like myself, but also someone who has experienced these kinds of things behind the scenes at the front lines of contract negotiations and talking about the pop culture information and news items that we all otherwise enjoy on a day-to-day -day basis. So if you like this, please like, subscribe, share it around, tell people we are doing this. And otherwise, if you saw this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.